Welcome, everyone, to 2023 season episode 23 of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the show offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news notes and a lineup of special guests all throughout the year. This week, we break down the number 12 team's run in the Ramp Park 250 on the streets of Chicago. Steve, welcome back. And uh, I'm back for another episode of the podcast. Thanks to uh, Kate and yourself for uh, taking the reins over last week as uh, we enjoyed a little bit of vacation time after the Nashville race and uh, thought the episode turned out great. So uh, uh, I know there'll maybe be one or two more team as takeovers this year, and uh, hopefully you're looking forward to that. Yeah, I've um I figured out some of the problems with the microphones, and I'll I'm, I'll make sure I'm turned turned up a little louder next time. Um, but uh, of course, my wife does a great job. Uh, you know, uh, I like to call her the first lady of uh, NASCAR podcasting. Um, <laughs> she, she hates that title, but uh, she does a great job. Uh, her knowledge is really really good, and um, you know, uh, her opinions are really really good too. And that's that's what I really love to hear. So, yeah, we'll we'll love doing that again, hopefully soon. So we have a really good show, really cool show coming up today as we recap the uh, Chicago street race. We're also going to have Leah Reeves, the daughter of Dale Blaney and a uh, important person over there at the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation who's going to talk about the upcoming Lou Blaney Memorial that's happening this weekend at Sharon Speedway, and plus uh, several other things that are happening with the foundation. And uh, she's going to give us a little bit of a sneak peek of some of the auction items that are going to happen at the Lou Blaney Memorial that will be available online. And there's some really, really cool stuff for some Blaney fans that are going to want to put some bids out there. And all of that is going to support all of their uh, great causes. So looking forward to what's going to be coming up with that as we get into that interview a little bit later on in the show um but chicago street race uh i I tell you what steve and we can maybe talk just a little bit about the overall event before we kick off into our specific recap but man um saturday i can't i have not been more pumped about a race since maybe like you know leading into a daytona 500 or something and everything leading into that event just seemed like it had so much energy uh, the street race or the, the the course itself looked cool. The views on TV looked cool. And I was just, I don't know, I was overhyped, I think. Yeah, I um, try to approach these new events with some sort of open mind, you know, is the best way to do it because you don't know, you know, the iRacing uh, version of it they had last year when they showed you that iRacing version, it didn't look like it was going to be, but then again, the guys on iRacing, not all of them are very good at iRacing to begin with, but they ran it and they bumped into each other and you thought, oh boy, I hope it doesn't look like this. Um, but once we saw practice and uh, parts of the Xfinity race, uh, we knew that the cup race was going to be good. Uh, there really ended up being a lot of great places to pass each other, race each other. And um, 
I think they hit a home run. I think uh, the design was really good. Um, sure, you had a couple guys hit the hit the tire things and, and have, but you know what? They were going for it. They were trying hard. Um, they misjudged a breaking point or something like that. It was all on the drivers. You know, it wasn't that the track was tricked up in a way to 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 make them make a mistake. Um, you know, they 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 just may have overdriven the car or did more than the car could do, and uh, you know. Unfortunately for or when we do the recap on, you know, we had an issue with that. Ryan had an issue with that, but, um, you know, the racing itself ended up being really, really, really good. So I, I was excited. And I, I can't wait to, for them to try it again. Uh, hopefully have dry weather next year. Cause I think it'd be even, even better with the, with the dry weather. Yeah. So obviously that was kind of the, the problem with the weekend. So very super hyped. Everything seemed like it was going well, but yeah, during that Xfinity series race, end up getting a, a lightning delay on Saturday and that kind of things kind of just took a turn for the worse for the weekend as far as just as the event goes because this whole thing was billed as you know a music festival and NASCAR race like a whole city event that everybody can just come and enjoy everybody from all walks of life different interests um, just to try to get people out there and, and maybe see NASCAR for the first time and that's what was so cool about it but man, it's, and I've said this probably four times on this show now. Um, I think even the last time was like Wilkesboro where there was some rain issues there. It's like every time NASCAR tries to do something big and you, you're going to have this with an outdoor sport, like weather gets involved and it's like, why can't we just have like a perfect like weekend for once? It seems like they're always, they always have some challenges so that, you know, this Xfinity series race gets cut short. Um, all but one of the concerts gets canceled because, and you could even see this during the race on Sunday that that grounds in front of the stage were like basically flooded. Um, you know, people you know had to leave the the race course area due to some the way that the the city parks and recreation department has their rules set up that's different from a NASCAR lightning delay. Um, so I went from like the highest of highs on Saturday morning to like the lowest of lows on Saturday evening because looking at the weather forecast for Sunday. Uh, where they had postponed the Xfinity series race to um, just looked like the deluge was going to continue. And um, unfortunately it did uh, Sunday morning. And we did see um, some interesting social media things, you know, uh, from tires floating down pit road to, I think the track house team having like a little boat race in front of their, in front of their pit stall. Um, you had Denny Hamlin coming out, you know, tweeting, telling NASCAR, let's not do this. Um, so again, it's just like, I went to bed in a low, woke up in even more of a low. Um, they end up, uh, and I don't get your thoughts on this. They end up canceling the Xfinity series race to and and calling it official, even though it was two laps short of the scheduled distance personally fine with that. I didn't have any issues. I know there's, there's some folks out there that had a big problem with that. Did you have any quick thoughts on, on it's not necessarily breaking the rule because they did have a rule in the rule book that basically says they could do whatever they want. But um, this is one of the first times in a while where they've cut, they've called a race official, even though it didn't get to the halfway point. Yeah. I, uh, I think they did the right thing. Uh, You know, the window was not going to be a big window to try and get it in. Um, And they definitely weren't going to come back on Monday just for the Xfinity guys. Um, so what they could have, if they could have gotten the track dry enough to run a couple caution laps and then call it, that's what they were going to do anyway. So it kind of, it kind of made it so that they didn't have to do that. So it, yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, uh, Custer was doing a very good job anyway. You know, um, he was out front there and just, you know, as long as, uh, if they, if they could have ran a full race, that that's a different situation, but they weren't going to end up running a full race. So yeah, it, 
I was fine with it. I had no problem with them. Go ahead and just cutting it short. And from what I understand um, from some stories that have come out since then, uh, NASCAR officials were about 15 minutes away from postponing the cup series race to Monday, but then the skies parted and things uh, got dry enough out there on the race course. And uh, they got this cup series race going. And I tell you what, you talked about the racing being good. I honestly believe that the the wet weather, the wet conditions on the track actually had a lot to do with the fact that we ended up with a really good race here in Chicago on the street course because you had guys that were more confident than other guys. Um, you had cars that were set up that maybe had a little bit more grip than other cars um, that created more passing opportunities than I think anybody thought was possible on a course like this with all those 90 degree turns. And um just made for, you know, it was just there's comers and goers. There was strategy. Obviously, at some point in this race, you know, NASCAR has to make a call that, you know, we're not going to get to the scheduled distance. So they shorten it, which caused some issues for some crew chiefs out there. Um, but that also threw a lot of intrigue into this race. And you end up with a really awesome race for the win and in uh, a winner in this race that, you know, for some is controversial because somebody comes in from the outside and steals a win from the cup guys. Um, but I think in in the end, it ended up saving the entire weekend and uh, giving us some really, really great hopes that, you know, if they can get back to Chicago next year, if the the city councils and the mayor and everybody agrees to continue on with this three-year contract that they've signed with NASCAR, um, that we can have a really, really great event and fingers crossed that the weather is great. So it's truly this huge festival that can bring everybody downtown. And I tell you what, I just based on the, East, the, the way the grandstands were, it seemed like they, the, everybody stayed you, mm-hmm. sometimes when there's lots of weather and stuff. So at least the people that had grandstand tickets, which I know there weren't a lot of grandstands, they seem full still. And you just saw people packed on the streets. Uh, that were lining the streets just trying to get glimpses of the cars. And you could say, oh, those aren't real race fans. Oh, they just wanted to get a picture and see what's going on. That is 100% what this race was for. And uh, mm-hmm. even through all the weather hurdles, I don't know, huge success in my mind. In my mind. Um, and if we can just, just get some good weather there next year, if they come back, um, I think it could be really, really great. I um, There's one thing that NASCAR did uh, that – may go unnoticed, but uh, they better do it at Indy. <laughs> and that is the single file restart and changing the restart zone to an area where they can't get all piled up on top of each other. Absolutely. Um, it, it kept the, it kept the shenanigans from happening. It kept the stupidness from happening that happened has happened to Ryan a bunch of times. Um, and I'm looking at Indy and I'm looking at Coda next year. Let's just do this. Let's just make it this way from here on in. Um, that way we're not piling into each other. Those restarts were great restarts. Um, if you had a good car or had a better car than the guy in front of you, then you got to that straight away on the front stretch and you, and you try to make your move going into one, but you didn't have five people piling into another 10 people, you know, into one because you weren't double file going down the front stretch at full speed. So, um, yeah, let's do that. Um, coming up at Indy and look at that at, at all the road courses, really to tell you the truth, because it, it, um, it's a different style of racing. So maybe it needs a different style of restart. And it, it, it definitely proved um, that you could do racing with it because the, at the end there uh, between uh, Shane and, and, uh, and the 31, they raced back and forth a, a couple different corners there past each other and then past each other, you know, so yeah, it works, you know, and, and that's part, that's one big thing I, I took away from, from the whole thing that, that uh, they're going to have to do that in other places too. 
Yeah, I think that really added uh, another element to this weekend that made it a success. And like you said, there are, there's another proof of concept there that that can work. People talked about it even before this last Coda race that maybe they could try that. Now they've done it. They did it because of the conditions on the course. Uh, I don't think that matters. They, honestly, it well, got dry. It got dry and they it, kept with it. So they kept with yeah. it. That's the thing. They could have changed yeah. back, but they didn't. And and it's 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 worth noting that they didn't under the dry conditions. And let's just let's just stick with it. It uh, it's like I said, it's a different style of racing. So you need a different uh, style of uh, restart. So why don't we do it? Um, like you said, uh, it was another challenging week for the 12 team, but we'll still, we're still going to go through that recap, let yeah. everybody know what happened, what went on, and uh, let's see what happened uh, going, starting with what, with practice out there. They had a 50 minute yeah, practice. practice. Yeah, we got to do, we have to do a good practice uh, for never being on the, on the track before. So let's rip off this band aid, you know, hurry up and, and, uh, and get rid of it. But, uh, uh, 50 minute practice on Saturday, uh, everybody run, you know, running at the same time. Um, and this track is, uh, under dry conditions, about a 90, what was a 94, 95 second lap, depending on, you know, um, they ran about five laps. They came and did some adjustments. Um, the 91 was top of the board early on. And, uh, then we have people hitting, you know, the 24, uh, hitting the wall, broke something. They broke a toe link. I think there at that point. Uh, 20 minutes in, um, the 19, the 11 and 20 are the top three. So all of a sudden it looks like the Toyotas are going to be, you know, especially the Gibbs Toyotas are going to be strong. Um, Ryan only run about eight laps at that point. Uh, we get a caution for the two hitting, um, 25 minutes in, uh, they had the hood open on the car. Uh, TV was kind of funny. Um, they were showing something across the way from, uh, from the pit pit area and you're looking they're showing a girl and her boyfriend and they're talking or whatever but over her shoulder you could see uh ryan's car and they had the hood up i took note of that so they were definitely working on something inside there uh to try and help uh maybe help with the suspension i don't know but um then we got the 47 hitting the wall 31 into the tire barrier and which is interesting because the 31 ends up having to fix his car overnight uh 47 with the backup um 30 minutes in, they were, they were back out there. They ran about 10 laps at that point, and they're about three seconds back of the 91, which, as we find out, is really not as embarrassing as people think. I mean, this guy was on it. Um, the Toyotas, though, were two through six at that point, the 19, the 45, the 11, the 20, and even the 54. Um, <clears throat> by his 13th lap, about 35 minutes in, though, he got to 1.91 seconds back. And that was like 18th best at that point. So, you know, they closed the gap, gotten better at running laps. Um, and, you know, he was uh, 37 minutes in here. Uh, the 15 car was actually the fastest Ford uh, button. So, you know, another guy who's a, you know, a Formula One champion, um, you know, being the fastest Ford. Um, 45 minutes in, the 91 Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, once again, top of the board, uh, Jensen Button here. They were actually one and two on the board. That was really interesting to see during practice. Um, Ryan uh, was only uh, 1.4 back. Uh, his 17th lap, his 18th lap was 1.36 back. So, And that was 15th. So that tells you how tightly grouped everybody was. Um, and I got the 91 wins practice, you know. Um, Ryan was 1.465 back. So really, truthfully, 
it's not as bad as it sounds. I mean, it, it's 20th. So that tells you once again, you know, you had a bunch of guys within a second of uh, two seconds of, uh, of the lead and, and you know, all within 20 places. So especially on a course like that, where the lap times lap to lap could vary pretty mm-hmm. widely, just based on yeah. if you miss a corner or you do really well in another corner. Honestly, I was happy to see him go from, you know, 30th, to jump all the way up to 15th. I was like, okay, they made, yeah, you talked about they had the hood up. They made some adjustments. He's gotten more used to driving this course in person. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's did a lot on the simulator or I racing prior to this and uh, getting a little bit more comfortable. And I said, okay, yeah, if we can get around a top 15 start, uh, hopefully things will, will go a little bit better on Sunday when they get into the race. Um, another, like a, this happened a couple of weeks in a row. Now Ryan made some comment on the radio before the practice is over. He says, uh, says, says it feels like we got closer to the ballpark there. So, you know, what are swings they made at the end or something that is going to be a good thing to start with, uh, to work, uh, work towards something. Um, the qualifying was in two groups. Um, I think it was at 15 minutes, each group. Um, once again, the top five of each group will go for the poll. Ryan was in group B, um, group a, uh, the 99, the five, the 45, the 15 and the 16 ended up being the top five. Uh, group B, um, Ryan after one lap was 0.7 off of the top five. So it's once again, it's not that far off. Um, his second lap was a little bit faster, but once again, the top five had changed at that point. Um, so he was like at least a second off. Um, and, uh, you know, the three minutes to go, we got a red flag for the nine car hitting the wall. Uh, the nine was following the 91, which, you know, I heard um, heard the term rabbit, you know, got a guy that you chase. And um, the 91 had what it took and the, the nine didn't. Uh, they clipped that uh, wall on the right-hand side and, and, and went straight into the wall across from him. Um, and uh, it kind of halts the 91's lap, which sucks because he had not run a lap yet. Um, but after the red flag comes out, um, Ryan was about eighth at that point. And, um, the, we got a red flag also for the four car crashing. Um, uh, the two hit the wall also. Um, but the top five ended up being the five, the 11, the 91, the 20. Um, I think I have the 34, I would say top five was the 11, 91, the 20, the 34 and the 22. So, you know, a little bit of a mixed bag, some different people in the top 10, uh, the race of the pole, um, the guys who have more experience on, you know, street courses too, not just road courses, but street courses specifically, you know, the 15 and the 91, uh, Ryan, I think shook out to being, um, 17th, uh, between the two groups. Um, and the 11 got the pole, um, the 91, he, you know, he beat the 91 out at the last minute there. And actually the 91 ended up third. Um, so we get to Sunday. Um, and we're, like I said, we're watching the weather and everything, but all, all the while we have Josh mule, Dave Nichols is going to be the second spotter. And, uh, Matt long, I believe was the third spotter. Um, not quite sure. I think mule said he was going to be in turn 11. Um, so if you're listening to the scanner, you can definitely tell the difference him and Josh and, and, and this Matt long, um, there were a couple of blind spots, I think from the way we were talking beforehand, but the blind spots aren't real long and they're in areas where, where, you know, maybe they didn't need Ryan, but, um, I noticed that there were a lot of dead spots on the radio, a lot of dead air on the radio at certain points in time, because you're racing, you know, you're racing the track 
And the only time really other guys really jumped on the radio is like when you're coming up to something where somebody had gotten themselves in trouble and you got to get around them. So yeah, um, the, sp- the spotter stands were interesting. I think the main spotter stand was above, they called it like the presidential suites or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. President's club or something like that. I think that was where the main spotter stand was. There's another spotter stand that was made up with a couple of double decker buses, which I thought mm-hmm. was in uh, kind of a way to like, like they could have easily just put up some scaffolding and threw some guys up there, but they're like, you know, it seemed like they're like, you know what? We're in a city, you know, let's try to stay on theme here. Let's get a couple of these big red double decker buses and, and, and try and put those guys on top of there. The third location, mm-hmm. I'm not sure where they were, but just like you said, even some of the spotters said going into the weekend that, you know, there might not be as useful as they are at other places, even at a, as other road courses, but they will be useful in calling, like you said, a cars in the tire barrier or, you know, seeing mm-hmm. what they can, but yeah, it seemed like there's a lot of static on the on the radio this week just because of the way, you know, going in and out of buildings and, and mm-hmm. stuff too. So they um I, I believe and it might be a mule, somebody was on top of a building, I think. Um that was across from, you know, so uh because I saw some video and pictures from that area. So it, it, yeah, that the the building thing came into play too when they were close enough to the buildings. So um Stages of 20, 45, and 100 uh, to start at least. Um, six sets of tires, which really didn't matter because they started using wet, wet tires right off the bat. Um, pit stall 12, which was behind the 45 and the 10. And to the rear, we had the two, the 24, the 31, and 38 um, for adjustments. And then the four, the nine, and the 47 for backup cars. And uh, I think the, rec- the the initial start was at 6.37 Eastern time here, a single file restart. Kind of made note of that because I knew the sundown there would have been uh, 8.30 their time, 9.30 Eastern. So it only gave a certain window to race to, too. And uh, we'll get we'll get to that later on because there was some mention on the radio about the darkness. And um, Yeah, I think to go full distance, they said they had to have run it with no cautions. Yeah, and our um, our crew chief was way ahead of the game, paying attention to certain things. So he knew that they were going to race to a certain point, and that was it. So, um, let's see. A lot one here. We get uh, the the forty two, the six, the forty three, and the six uh, in that in that corner there, <laughs> and the ten ten car spinning out. And Ryan was great. It was Ryan was right behind those guys and just went straight inside of them. Um, and what's really nice about some of these spin outs and some of these things where they hit something, if they can back out of the situation, they backed out and there was not going to be a caution. Um, and the guys made an honest effort. If they were stuck, they made an honest effort to try and get out too. So um, up to the 19th, um, the 11 misses the turn and the 45 ends up leading the first lap. Uh, lap two, um, the eight gets stuck in turn six. <laughs> in the tire barrier <laughs> we'll call that turn baconator um actually because oh, goodness. <laughs> that car that car ends up being there a lot uh ryan's up to 18th they restart lap six here single file restart um the 41 does pass ryan pretty early on he's up to 19th here uh lap seven the 38 passes in 20th um lap eight the three passes in 21st here uh lap nine the 20 takes the lead um and I think the 78 passed Ryan at that point. He's in 22nd. Um, Worth noting, it's still pretty wet here. Yeah. And again, I mean, this isn't, I mean, Ryan's performed well on road courses before. Obviously, this is a totally new animal. And I think we, when we were talking early on in the race, we may have used the term like kind of tiptoeing around, like yeah. just 
probably doesn't want to, you know, use up the car and is doing his best to to keep things going. But yeah, he is he is losing positions from his starting position. So it was a little bit concerning but as on the other, to what was happening. But on the other hand, um tiptoeing is actually not a bad move when you got four guys to pile into a corner and you just get to go buy them. So uh but he does talk about zero rear grip here. Um and he locked up the rear tires a little bit. At lap 10, um, he does pass the 23, <laughs> and he's up to 21st place. Uh, the 23 was having you know problems staying, staying straight there. At um, lap 12, we get a caution for the 42 in the six-tire barrier. <laughs> I got again because I think he was the, in the first one. So uh, Ryan's up to 20th here. Um, Jonathan's talking about they're not quite in their fuel window yet. Um, and... Uh, they do pit it at lap 15 here, fuel only. Um, and this is a good idea, you know, for strategies because you you fill it now and you might not have to put as much fuel in later. It could be a shorter stop later. So um, they're P27 for the restart here at lap 16. At lap 17, he passes 47. Lap 18 passes 21. Uh, so he's up to 25th here. It, uh, you know, <clears throat> and then... Um, he does hit the the right front of the car here on lap 18. Um, and this is funny. The guys were hitting the tire barrier all day long. And when they hit the tire barrier, you know, that they, they get out of it, they move it out, they go back. If they don't lose a lap, they're fine, you know, but Ryan hit just beyond the tire barrier on that wall and um, it hurt the car. They, they come in and pit. And uh, if you're watching the in-car camera, like I am, the front hood opens and then we see uh, Raymond Fox the third reaching down on the into the right front area under that hood, which tells me that they broke it. They broke the toe link, and they're in there replacing it. They're on the on the clock now, um, obviously. And um, they lose a couple of laps as they're trying to fix it, but they're they're fixing the toe link. And at lap twenty one, um, they come back out. They're thirty seventh, and uh, you know two laps down at that point. Um, but they got it, they got it pretty close to fixed. Um, the wheel steering wheel was barely off at that point and they ran some lap times later on that weren't bad here. Lap 27, uh, they're pitting for, for the slicks maybe. Um, and then lap 30, uh, the 42 is in the barrier again <laughs> in six, another caution. Um, and were they uh, around three laps down at this point because of pitting? Too? Uh, yes. So at uh, lap 37, I have them three laps down. Correct. Um, and, you know, there was, I don't know if there was somebody in front of them at that point or not, but there was a point, there was a point where uh, they were the lucky dog too. So they do get a lap or two back here at some point. Um, so at lap 32, they're pinning four tire stop. They're still fixing the damage in the right front a little bit. Um they restart lap 34 and the 20 is leading here three laps down. The 42 is two laps down. So the 42 is the guy who's going to be the lucky dog at that point. Uh, everyone else on the lead lap <clears throat> and at lap 37, he runs a lap that's faster than about 10 cars in front of him with the damaged car. So mind you, everybody's not necessarily running good laps. Sometimes they're slipping a slide a little bit, but, uh, lap 40, we had caution. Um, and, uh, the 48 car and it looks like the 11 kind of helped them. <laughs> uh, they do fuel only here, uh, in case they can stay out later, um, for a wave round. 
They restart lap uh, 43 here, and in the next lap, we got a caution for the 48 blowing up. <clears throat> and uh, Ryan is uh, 36 at this point. And they make the announcement, too, that uh, that it's going to be 25 laps at this point uh, for the darkness. Now, they said they um, – Jonathan had actually discussed it on the radio a little bit earlier, uh, that they can only go so far. And he knew they were racing to darkness. That's why we're fueling when we're fueling the, the extra fuel and so forth, because he knew we were only racing to the darkness. So didn't have a lap number when he was saying that, but now we have a lap number of lap 75. Um, the, the exciting part about this moment, and I, I almost tweeted it on the Team Blaney account, was uh, I just said out loud, not last, mm-hmm. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, they finished last at Nashville because of the crash they got in there. And I was like, oh, man, we're going to have two straight races of finishing and last here but you know the 48 unfortunately has his untimely engine failure there after his the crash that he had and um yeah it's uh it was a good feeling but you know at this point we're just trying to lick our wounds and and, and get out of mm-hmm. here finish finish the race and uh, luckily he keep he'll pick up a couple more spots as this thing goes but um hey, at least i don't know that was the only, the only positive i could say is is uh mm-hmm. not last you know um Nine cars stayed out, and I heard um, it was the twenty car. The, the crew chief of the twenty was like complaining about this, finding out about this. But the thing is, is some of the guys who who stayed out, they knew, they paid attention, they knew that there was only so much daylight, and that they're racing to the daylight. It's just like racing to knowing that, that there's weather coming in, on, you know, and you're you're racing to the weather comes in. So um, he can complain yeah, I think a little the, bit. The I, 20, think, I, think he, I think he's yeah. I think he's complaining because. Yeah, I think he's complaining because he missed it. Everybody else was paying attention and he missed it. He missed that strategy call that he could have made and he didn't make. Although it's interesting um what these some of these crew chiefs are like, they, how their personalities are different because you don't necessarily hear this from Jonathan. And I know Jonathan's new, newer, but with with the five, I think the five crew chief did it as well. Is like how they'll they'll get on the radio and and basically like as address NASCAR. Like you cannot do this. You cannot do this to us right now. It's not fair. Like all of this stuff. And I don't think that's that doesn't seem to be Jonathan's style to to do something like that. He's more no. concerned about how are we going to react to this decision mm-hmm. than because yeah. I mean, how often do you get something overturned or make any change? And uh, it's just it's just interesting. But yeah, the twenty the twenty crew chief was going off on uh, that decision. I can understand. I mean, I'd be up. I don't know if I'd be upset, but you know, they're leading the race. They dominated most of the race after they got to the lead, and uh, this is a decision that hurt them. But it's also a decision that maybe they should. Should have been looking for ahead of time but i can see where they didn't want to risk giving up the lead and not having that 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 made early on so i mean it's it's it is what it is and they had the opportunity to race their way back up through and they get into mm-hmm. their own their own trouble so yeah so and, and and somebody else who pitted when they end up pitting ends up up in the front so that tells you that it can be done so uh but otherwise yeah i i, I kind of like heard all that and i'm like well a lot of other guys figured it out and you didn't and i think that's why you're mad you're mad because you got strategized by somebody else i mean you, you can blame nascar all you want but you know like i said jonathan uh, four or five laps earlier was talking about the darkness and what they were doing to to work around that so uh we reslap started at lap 49 with the 31 leading and um let me get a caution uh for the 24 and everyone else uh, <laughs> in turn 11 and you know it happened once i'm glad it didn't happen a lot 
Uh, we kind of thought it might happen at least once. Um, you know, everybody made the jokes about the traffic, uh, you know, Chicago traffic and all that funny stuff. But um, somebody pointed out, and I, I saw this re- just today, that Harvick uh, may have done some things on purpose because by blocking up the track the way he did and then backing up and causing the block to even be longer and more, it saved him position. Yeah. In other words, if he is just off to the side and, and there's, a, there's more than a lane to get by him and then everybody else can get by him, he'll lose the positions. But by blocking the track, it kind of like changed the way NASCAR scored it. And he, he may have saved himself a couple positions here. Uh, I, I think they were in a bad spot. I mean, this was a very controversial part of the race, and it, it usually is with how they, they pre-stack the field after this. And mm-hmm. I do think they may have made some errors in judgment on this because the 24 who started this whole crash and actually crashed into the wall ends up restarting like 14th. Yeah. And it's like, he probably should have been at the tail of the field for this. So I think I know they're, I mean, the, the time is running out. The sun is going down. They're trying to get through this as quickly as possible. So I'll give them a, a little bit of a break here, but I think there's definitely some guys that, that got some spots back that maybe shouldn't have, but at this point, you know, Ryan's basically out of contention. So I, well, I, I was well, just, I was, I was well, team chaos, as you would say. So <laughs> yeah, team chaos. He is, he's the free pass here though. So we're only two laps down. Um, so 31 is leading here. Restart lap 52 at lap 57. We get a caution for the 45. So we get another lap back. Um, and we're one lap down. We're pitting four tires here. Uh, 31 leads for the restart lap 60. Um, the 45 is also one lap down here. And that's the problem is like, uh, the 45 ends up getting himself into the lucky dog position before anything else can happen here. Um, that lap 63, yes, when, when he passes Ryan. And then um, lap 65 here, the 31, the 9, the 91 are racing up front. Uh, Ryan's in 34th. Um, but it's a pretty good battle for the lead there. I was going to say, the, you know, the racing is good. And, and yeah. I don't know if we'll talk too much about Justin Haley. Obviously, he ran toward the middle and back for most of that race until strategy got him up front. Uh, but I, I'll give it to him. He was on older tires than some of the people behind him, and he puts up a really good fight in these closing laps, enough to where all the way down till the end, he he had a legitimate shot of winning, and I don't think it – you know, I was at the lone race that he won in the Cup Series at Daytona when – you know, he was, I think, the lucky dog or something and stayed out on the pit sequence and well, ends up wasn't, winning uh, under the, the lightning delay. But um, yeah, it wasn't either, it wasn't, either way how it worked. But it, was, it, well, he yeah. wasn't the lucky dog. But what it was was he was like second or third and um, they they were about to break for the for the lightning. But what they did is they came in and uh, the uh, Kurt Busch pitted. Yeah. It gave Justin the lead thinking, well, we're going to pit, and when we come back from this, but they never came back from it. What they'd end up doing is called the race after yeah. whatever delay, and when they called the race, then he, he got the W. So, yeah, it was a little bit a little bit weird, but like well, we've always said it before, we'll take a win any way we can get it. So, you know, yes. just same, same, same with this strategy. If he holds these guys off from here to the end, you know, more power to him, you know. Um, so we're restarting uh, at lap 70 here, uh, 31 leading the 91. Uh, they're battling for the lead here. Uh, Ryan ended up uh, hitting four tires. Uh, he's up to 33rd at this point, though. So, you know, um, <clears throat> and the 90, this is where the 91 and the 33 go back and forth, like within a couple turns from each other. 
Um, they made a caution for the 47 with two to go. So we're going to get a green white checker. Um, getting dark. Yeah. The street, the street lights are on and you know, you're on in on TV, the way the cameras work, it's actually showing you brighter than what it is in person. So, um, yeah, I did not want to necessarily see the overtime. Also, I will full disclosure was 100% rooting for the 91 at this point, just because, you know, the guy has was on the strategy that the 20 and the 45 and some of those other guys in the five that were upset uh, about what happened when NASCAR shortened the race. He was on that same strategy as them. He restarted 18th with like 24 to go and he picked mm-hmm. off every single guy the whole way through the field. And you could start, you know, with maybe like 10 laps to go, you kind of start realizing like he might have a legitimate shot here and he passes all the way up there to the lead. And I was like, you know what, you know, this might, this could save the weekend. I know it's weird. I know it's an outsider, you know, it's, it's maybe that's not the best look, but you know what? I think it ended up being a really good look and I was excited. And then, yeah, and then that caution comes out. I'm like, oh, man, cause then, you know, the 31 who has mm-hmm. raced respectively this whole time, um, got up there on strategy, still held his own. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is his opportunity. He he could be desperate. This is a, a season-changing race to where he could just ship the the 91 into turn one or something if he can get to him on this restart. And I just thought, I was like, oh, it's going to ruin the story mm-hmm. of this guy driving from deep in the field to, to win the race. And kudos to NASCAR because you said the word ship there or punted. Um, they stuck with the single-file restart. They had that restart zone once again that was around a bend before you even got to to the start finish. And it made it so that you either get a good restart or you don't. And if you do get a good restart behind him, then you get a chance to pass him at some point. Not we're going to barrel too, too wide into a corner and I'm going to knock you out and eight wheels are better than four. None of that happened. Um, they raced cleanly. And the 91, to his credit, was not only so good, his car was so good, but he was so good that he pulled away. You know, he didn't give that guy a chance because he was just that good. Um, Ryan ends up uh, 33rd here because the 19 ends up passing Ryan like in, in the last lap. Uh, but uh, Shane Van Gisbergen uh, from uh, from New Zealand, it's a Kiwi, but races in mostly in Australia. Um, he put on a show and, uh, you know, the funny part was some of the comments from some of the other drivers afterward. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they realized that the, you know, he had more experience than they did, especially on a street course, uh, type of type of cars he drives uh, over there are not NASCAR cars, but they're very similar. Um, what's amazing to me. And I think Denny actually said it in his podcast is he's driving a car on the other, other side of the car shifting with the other hand. Yep. So he jumped in this car and he has to shift with his right hand. Now, all of a sudden, instead of his left hand and make his left hand is more dominant hand on the steering wheel instead of his right hand. I mean, that is totally amazing to adapt that, that quickly. Also, Uh, I know that they showed his feet, uh, they had a camera in there, which was great. Uh, and to hear the comments of some of the drivers on that too, like they cannot believe how he was shifting and braking uh, with his right and left foot um, stuff that they would have never thought of doing or probably couldn't pick up without a lot of practice themselves. Yeah. So um, 
but obviously it 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 gave him the speed that he needed uh and gave him the, the way to attack the corners and it may be something that these guys may want to study and look at uh for future road courses not just street courses because uh you know breaking into a corner a certain way uh you know his different style obviously was more effective and um, they may want to look into how to do that yeah, it's really cool. It was another opportunity. I think this is a third race for Project 91. The last two had Kimi Raikkonen, a former F1 world champion, uh, running in that car. And he had some good runs, but I don't think he got the finishes they were hoping for. But in this case, yeah, I mean, he this guy just put on a clinic. Yes, he had 16 lap fresher tires, but he also had to go from 18th to first and then hold off, you know, all these, you know, cup regulars and an overtime restart. Um incredibly impressive as you said there's a lot of similarities in the car when nascar was developing the next gen car they actually went to australia attended some supercar races learned a lot about how their car operates and brought some of that technology over to the next gen car but there is it is still vastly different the weights are different um the the windows are enclosed that was one thing that that shane had mentioned was kind of weird was racing with some open windows uh was a little bit a, a different feeling like you said they race on a different side of the car there um so there's there's a lot working against this guy and it just shows you how extremely talented that he is um obviously everybody already wants is saying you know let's get him over here he said i'm already committed in 2024 but in 2025, he'd love to come over and, and although, race in NASCAR, and we'll see. His, I think he, he, his, he might his owner, his owner, come out uh, recently and just I mean, within the day here and said that he'd release him early. Wow, yeah, yeah. So he he could be here next year. So I mean, it's it's. I think he needs a few more starts. I think this is a great story, and I almost don't want him to ever come because it's like this would just be that one. Do you remember that one time that guy Mm -hmm. from New Zealand came over and kicked everyone's butt and then changed the way we race on streets or we race on the road courses? Um, It's almost like he'll just be like this mythical figure and i'm afraid he'll come in and like you know maybe they'll they'll put some money together and he can run at the roval or something i think the roval might be a good place because Mm -hmm. it's as far as the in the in uh interior road course at at the roval is really as close as we get to maybe something that chicago was Mm -hmm. uh as opposed to the other road courses that will go to the the rest of the year so i think the roval would be a place that maybe they could bring him back to but i almost i just don't want him because like what if something what if he crashes it could be this huge disappointment i almost want him to stay as this this mythical figure but who knows um we you know track house as a team i think is probably at some point going to expand to three full-time cars so he already has that connection there um, I don't, there's not really a ton of seats open in general, but maybe if, uh, somebody wants to take a chance on this guy, it, it could be something really interesting, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, so we said, you know, the race itself with everything that they had to go through all the barriers, all the hurdles they had to jump through with the weather, um, this, the way this finish ended up, the way the racing at the end ended up, the story, um, I think saved the weekend. I think definitely made it to where, you know, there are parts of Saturday evening and Sunday morning where I thought there's no chance we're ever coming back here. And it's not fair because it's because of the weather. It's not because of anything anybody did. It's solely going to be because of the weather. And that will be the reason. But I think that there's a really good opportunity for them to go back to Chicago next year just because of the results. And I can't even guarantee under dry conditions we'll get as compelling of a race, but I would hope we would get um as compelling of an, an event and uh, that whole festival atmosphere um obviously you know, it was a you know what you know what would be different under dry conditions is you may see tire wear yeah you might see tire wear and strategies come into play a little bit more 
maybe a little less less people hitting in into the tire barriers that, that they did earlier on based on that too because the grip will be with what the grip is not necessarily wet tires looking for water to find grip so yeah another year just to see it uh, hopefully under dry would be great to see how much different the racing would be you know so so we don't want to ignore the fact that this was um an unfortunate race for the 12 team um since winning the coca-cola 600 we've been faced with three finishes of 30th or worse we went from by we i mean the team went from leading the points to um now they are in the ninth or in the yeah they're in the ninth position in the overall nascar cup series standings 85 points out of the lead and the leader right now is william byron in the 24 car so in the midst of a slump here i'm not you know waving the white flag or anything like that, because the difference between this year and last year is they have a victory under their belt that they can, Mm -hmm. they can fall back on. They still have a decent amount of, of uh, playoff points in the bank. Um, But I'm sure Ryan, you know, you know, it might feel a little bit defeated with these, these last three finishes from Sonoma to Nashville to Chicago, all 30th or worse. Uh, But we do head out to Atlanta this week, at a track that he's been relatively relatively successful at over his career in both configurations, and uh, it's something to look forward to. So again, Ryan now sits in the ninth position in the NASCAR Cup Series point standings. I'll go through the top ten, uh, starting with William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., uh, Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano. So um, that's kind of what we're we're looking at right now. We got 85 points to make up. I know just a few weeks ago, leading the points, we we're talking about the opportunity for them to win the regular season championship. And that's gotten a lot more difficult to happen. It's possible. Um, the 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 standings aren't as tight as they were three weeks ago, though. It's loosened up a, a little bit. So it's it's he's got a he's got a mountain to climb here if he wants to go out and win that regular season championship and get those 15 extra bonus playoff points. But We'll see what happens next week. All right. We're happy to bring back Leah Reeves, the director of marketing and program for the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation, back to the Team Blaney podcast. I think this is the third or fourth time we've uh, been graced with her appearance on the show. And uh, she has a lot to talk about when it comes to the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation, uh, their support of the Alzheimer's Association, and the upcoming Lou Blaney Memorial that's happening this weekend at Sharon Speedway. Welcome, Leah, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a busy couple months. So like you said, we've got lots to talk about. Now to to kick things off, um, obviously your dad is Dale Blaney, if you didn't know that. Um, (laughs) Recently, back in victory lane at Sharon Speedway, and not just an absence of victory lane at Sharon Speedway for a couple of years, he kind of stepped away from racing for a little while. We weren't even sure if he was going to come back. He's back in a sprint car this year and he gets to victory lane. What was that like for uh, you and your family? Yeah, that was super exciting. Like you said, dad's kind of had a few years of just bouncing around. He was an all-star official for a while. He was down here for a summer with me, my family, Um, done a little bit of racing, but this year he's definitely done more. And I know it's been a struggle a little bit to get back into it when you're not doing it full time and getting comfortable with a new ride, new guy. So to see him win, I know he was really excited, kind of got, you know, the monkey off his back, just feeling better. Like, Hey, I still got this. I can do it. And I know that his focus is always, you know, the Lou Blaine Memorial now, now that he's not doing it full time. Um, that's 
a big race for him and it's special. So I know leading into the Louisville Memorial, he's got some confidence back. He's excited. So I think that's definitely going to help him. And it was just, it was nice to see him back in victory lane, even though they stuck him right behind the pole for his interview. I, I told him he's never looked better. <laughs> in the interview. So we giggled about that, but it was really exciting. Um, I'm just, I'm happy that he's got, got some confidence back. So I think it'll be good for the rest of the year. Now you, you brought up the, the Lou Blaney Memorial and maybe we can just jump right to that. I know we have a couple other things to talk about, but that is coming up. That's a huge event uh, for Sharon Speedway, for your family, but also for the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and the Blaney Bunch fan club. So um, what are you kind of most looking forward to this weekend and what can fans and attendants kind of expect from you guys? We've got a lot, a lot going on. It is the 15th year for the Lou Blaney Memorial, which it's hard to believe that Papa has been gone that long. Um, it has flown by. So we've got a, a lot happening, a lot of exciting things. We're going to have our Lou Blaney Memorial shirts for sale, as always. I'm really excited about the design for this year. I think it's cool, kind of looks old school. Um, so we'll have those available. Um, we're always having our ticket auction or gift auction. So we're going to have that again this year. A lot of good baskets that you have a chance to win. Uh, we'll have our Ryan Blaney Family Foundation booth there. So we'll have lots of goodies, merchandise, um, along with information about Alzheimer's, concussions, brain health. Uh, Patty will be manning that booth. So she's always loves to talk to everyone about what we offer, what the Alzheimer's Association offers, UPMC concussion programs offers. So we have lots of information there for people who are looking or searching or just wanting to learn more. Um, another cool thing that we have at the track at Sharon Speedway, we have a mailbox there that throughout the year you can stop and make donations to the Alzheimer's Association. So I think that's kind of cool, just, you know, a subtle way to do it if you're interested or don't know how to help, but you want to help, um, it is there all year long. So people can make donations throughout the year. They go straight to the Alzheimer's Association. Um, where, where, also, where, at it, where is it at? Um, where's the mailbox sitting at? It, at, the, at the track? It's in the fan zone. I do believe it's near um, like the brick walk, like the okay. memorial walk that we have there. I think it is right by the walk. Um, okay. I'm not 100% sure, but like 90% sure. So, yes, it is in that fan zone area behind the main grandstands. Yes. Uh, what else do we have going on? Uh, our silent auction. We have some really cool items this year. Uh, it's much smaller, and we're not going to do a live auction. So it will be just like the silent auction from Top Golf. You'll be able to do it if you're there, or people from home online will be able to access it. So I think that's cool. We're going to open it up to um, more people. That link for the to preview our items will go live tomorrow. We'll share it on all the um, Ryan Blaney Family Foundation social medias. I'm going to get it over to the Sharon Speedway and Lou Blaney Memorial social medias. We'll send it to you guys. So people will be able to check out the items tomorrow. But some of my favorite ones, we're going to have um, Dave and Dale both wear gloves that will have the RBFF logo on them. And they're going to wear them on Saturday and then they'll sign them and we'll give them to the winners. So I think that's kind of cool. They'll just be worn once by we'll have Dave and Dale both wear a pair. So I'm really excited for those. And then uh, probably one of my favorite, 
my favorite item is the Darlington throwback car to Dave's sprint car. We're going to have a sideboard from that signed by Ryan. So oh, wow. Yes, that is. We know really we know a lot of people that are going to bid on that one. <laughs> oh yeah, they'd be crazy for that. Yes, so that is super awesome. I'm picking that up from him on Wednesday. Um, I'm really excited to see to see how that goes because I think that's just such a special special item. I'm surprised he gave it up because I feel like that's something he'd like to keep. Maybe he has the other side. I don't know, but <laughs> um, I was really excited that he was willing to let us auction that off. So those are some big old items. We're going to have a few other ones, but those are definitely the ones that I'm most excited about and hope that people get pumped for. Now, um, also the, uh, the Blaney bunch, um, you're going to be doing something for the Blaney bunch at the Memorial. Yes. So the Blaney bunch is our fan club. Um, Dave, Dale and Papa, they had a fan club way back in the day, like the Amico days, um, I, I don't remember much, but I do remember us having like big meetups at around Christmas, I think at the shop. Um, so we kind of brought back the fan club vibe with the Blaney bunch and we're doing our first meetup at the Lou Blaney Memorial this Saturday. And I'm super excited. I think there's maybe 17 people are going to come. We're going to have dinner, just hang out. Uh, Dave and Dale are going to make their way up there to visit with them for a little bit. So I'm really excited to just get with them, um, spend time with them, get to know them, thank them for being a part of our of our bunch. So I'm really looking forward to that. And we are working on a meetup at a NASCAR track. Um, we're hoping maybe for the Charlotte Roval. So it's TBD. We're just kind of in talks, looking ahead um, towards the later part of the season. We definitely want to make sure that Ryan can – stop by so just working with his schedule and trying to find a track that it's hard because people are all over like there's no part of the country that we have a lot of members from which is super awesome but i know that kind of makes it harder so just trying to find some that maybe a lot of people will come to um so yes we are working on that but super excited to get in person with the blaney bunch members this weekend and get to know them and have them hang out with dave and dale for a little bit now I know that um, the uh, uh, donation for the uh, the front wings is already closed, but yeah. this is probably a good reason for people to get pit passes uh, if they want to check out the cars before the race. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know about that or not. Yeah, yeah, we did um, for a donation of fifty dollars. You could get your name or the name of a loved one, whoever you choose, onto either Dave or Dale's cars. Um, so that was exciting. I think. I haven't done all the math, but I know we've raised over $2,000 just, just from that. So yes, get a pit pass, go check out the cars. It'll be on their front wings. They'll both have names on them. Um, then once the race is over, we're gonna, we'll get a picture of the guys with it and we're going to cut out the names and, um, have the boys sign a card and we'll mail them back to everyone. So we're excited to do that too. It's just a nice little way to say thank you and be like, Hey, you know, we appreciate you. Here's your stuff back. So uh, that was that was good this year. I'm excited to be able to put them on both Dad's and Uncle Dave's car. I have to say that's like one of the coolest thing you guys have done. You know, between the the Wall of Fame thing you have at the the Top Golf event every year, this wing thing, this where you you donate, 
and then you end up getting like a, a like a piece of memorabilia back that you could put into your collection. Like I have, I think my three cards yeah. behind me right here from the 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 yeah. top golf stuff, and I can't wait to get the the one back from the the wing and that kind of thing because it's just it's like a unique piece that somebody can't get anywhere else, and then it also supports the causes that you guys support. Definitely, it's just you know we couldn't do it without everyone's support and donations, and we it's just. Like you said, I think it's an awesome way for to collect something, but it's also our way to just say, hey, thank you. Like, I think it's a unique way to just show our appreciation and how much it matters to us. And it goes a long way, you know, so um, I'm excited for those to get on track this weekend. And hopefully one of them can get to Victory Lane and we can see those names in Victory Lane. So, um, uh, we, you know, we had Top Golf and... Um... Then uh, this past weekend um, at uh, at Chicago, um, uh, I see you guys actually made a donation. Uh, yes, yes, we pledged to match up to fifty thousand dollars for the to the Alzheimer's Association uh, for their I think it was race to end Alzheimer's match challenge. So we, yep, we pledged fifty thousand. If they could raise that much, we would match it and. I think they surplused it, but we were able to give them a check this weekend. Patty was there with Ryan and it was just so nice to be able to do that. Their headquarters is actually in Chicago. So uh, it was just super cool to be able to do it in their hometown kind of, and just show how much we support them and how much we appreciate all that they do. Now what's uh, next on tap for the foundation? Are you guys kind of preparing for already preparing for 2024 at this point? Um, is there anything else I know you're talking about maybe having a Blaney bunch meetup later on in the year and you have this, the, the tent and, uh, exhibit that kind of goes around to races throughout the year. So is there anything coming up for the foundation the rest of this year, or should we already start making our, our race plans for, for next year? I don't know. It's hard to tell. Sometimes, you know, I feel like there are some things that we just automatically know is going to happen next year. Um, but then I think we're also kind of spur of the moment people like, oh, we'll, th- we'll throw this together. So um, I do believe that the booth is going to be going to Pocono and Richmond. Um, I'd have to confirm that. But I know I've been in conversations about going to Pocono and Richmond. And um, we're, we're teeing up ideas along with the Blaney Bunch meetup around the Roval if maybe we can do a small fundraiser the Roval weekend. Um, I know Patty's going to be down here that weekend. Uh, we do some stuff at Charlotte Motor Speedway. I think it's called Steam, um, but kids come out and learn different things. People, vendors set up booths, foundations set up booths. And last year we had them learning about brain health and concussions and wearing helmets. So I know Patty will be doing that again this year, but right now I'm not and we don't have anything real big planned, just kind of small things. Um, like you said, having the booth go to different tracks. And as those get closer, we'll be putting those out on social media. So, um, but yeah, Pocono, I, I do believe will be up next. Yeah. And I would guess, I mean, we're a few months away from it, but, but the annual Alzheimer's walks usually happen around the October time too. So that's that's usually another opportunity where you guys kind of promote some things to to raise awareness for that too. Yes. Yep. The Alzheimer's walks will be coming up in the fall. I'm not sure if we'll do one, you know, participate down here. I'm sure that we will in the Charlotte one. Uh, we Maybe I'll come up and try and get 
grandma to do something with me in our local walk. So uh, I'm sure she would love that. She keeps me busy. So um, I might try and get up there with the kids or something and maybe take part in that. So yes, we'll have to start thinking about those soon because they'll be here before we know it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. The year is, is flying by so far. Hard to believe. Well, Leah, I think uh, that pretty much wraps it up. We thank you so much for your time once again. And I uh, thank you and everybody else there at the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation for all that they do. It's really awesome, as Steve said, to see you guys give that big check over to the foundation over the weekend at Chicago. And uh, I know a lot of Blaney fans around the country are traveling up there to Sharon Speedway for the annual Lou Blaney Memorial. It's so cool. The 15th annual uh, memorial that honors such such a great man. And uh, you guys are going to do a lot of great work for a great cause. And uh, we look forward to the next time uh, we'll have you on the show. Well, thanks, guys. I, I really appreciate it. Love coming on, talking to you guys. We appreciate your support. We we wouldn't reach half the people we do probably without you guys. So I really appreciate what you do and helping us and promoting all, what we've got going on. So I hope you guys have a great holiday. I don't know if this will be out today or tomorrow, but hope everyone has a good fourth. And I'm looking forward to seeing everybody at the Lubain Memorial this weekend. Sounds great. Thank you. Steve, as I say, every single time, always great to get a special guest on the show. And I said at the top of that interview, I think it's the third, fourth, fifth time that we've maybe had Leah Reeves, the daughter of Dale Blaney on the show to talk about a variety of things, uh, mainly the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. It was really cool to kind of see her excitement, too, about her dad getting back to Victory Lane at Sharon Speedway after taking a couple uh, full time full time uh, seasons off from sprint car racing. And um, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully Dale has some success. You know, Dave has a, a Lublini Memorial win, one or two Lublini Memorial wins. And I think it might be time for maybe Dale to break through. And um, I'm not sure which uh, I know we both got names and, and stuff on, on the cars. And I'm looking to see mm-hmm. if we end up on the same car, Dave or Dale. I'm actually hoping we end up on separate cars yeah that'd be cool <laughs> so that way we we have a we have somebody to root for over the weekend and yeah. uh see you see who maybe finishes the best or hopefully maybe one of the, the two ends up in victory lane but uh, as i said in that awesome donation opportunity and i can't wait to get that that, that autograph picture back uh, yeah. for having having the the podcast name and stuff on on the car yeah well yeah we uh this this uh we're, we're taping this on fourth of july so hopefully we'll have this out and then you know beforehand and you're listening to this beforehand but uh, i think by wednesday night or thursday morning they'll have links up uh for the bidding and then you'll get to see some of the items I, she said there's not gonna be a ton of items but it's gonna be uh some really cool stuff um you know i know uh our, some of our, our friends uh jerry and kirsten the mariottis will be bidding all over it uh so you know uh, I know that your wife will be bidding on some stuff probably <laughs> while, you're, while you're not looking at you guys will be at the race Saturday night uh, in Atlanta, but I'm sure you, uh, if you look over, she'll be bidding on something while you're not looking. So <laughs> yeah, good we'll luck to, good luck to everybody. Good luck to everybody <laughs> bidding, bidding on stuff. Uh, you know, and, and the best part about it is it all goes to, to the great cause, to the great charity that they're running. So um, any chance we get to try and help, uh, we also want you you, you know, to give the information so that you can help in some manner. Uh, being on the car is going to be really, really cool. Um, and uh, she even talked about, uh, you know, having that mailbox there to donate um, right at the track. So look for that when you get to the track, because uh, you can just go ahead and donate right there even Um you don't have to wait for some event to donate. Um, and then, you know, all the great stuff at the tent, uh, you know, flag and anthem clothing does a lot of their, their clothing. Uh, so go over to the tent, check out some of their stuff. Um, 
and I can't wait to see what the, the t-shirt this year looks like. Um, you know, hopefully they'll tweet a, tweet a picture of that out ahead of time too, because, uh, maybe I'll just send Jerry and Kirsten with some money and get it, make sure we get our t-shirts too, even though we won't be there. Yeah, it was cool. I think I got last year's shirt as a, as a Christmas present. So looking forward to that, the 15th annual Lou Blaine Memorial happening this Saturday at Sharon Speedway. If you're any in the anywhere in the Northeastern Ohio, Western Pennsylvania area, you have uh, some free plans on Saturday. It's going to be a great sprint car race hosted by the all-star circuit of champions. They're also going to have the BRP modified tour. So check out the Lou Blaney Memorial this Saturday, July 8th at Sharon Speedway. So we talked about the the race this past week at Chicago, not being that great for Ryan Blaney. And once again, for like the, what, this is the 23rd episode of the season. So at least the 18th or 19th time I'm going to come on here and say I had a horrible week in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. And uh, yes, that is true once again, but I'll go through uh, my starters. And I, again, I don't know. I'm, I haven't checked these featured matchups and I'll know that as I read them off, maybe that's what the problem was. But I think my team looked like it was going to be pretty good, um, but ended up having a, some trouble here and there. So I started Martin Truex Jr., Got me 15 points. Daniel Suarez got me 19 points. Both of those guys ran up front all day long and then right at the end had some issues. I think Suarez hit a wall and Truex spun out. Um, I did start Shane Van Gisbergen. Uh, got me 55 points. Uh, I started Ty Gibbs, who had a really solid race. Got me 35 points. Started AJ Allmendinger. Got me 25 points. Um, I actually think I had Gibbs in the garage and I made the swap. Um, so I had Jensen Button in my starting lineup as well, that former uh, Formula One world champion. So that was solely based on practice and qualifying. I thought maybe he's going to have a really decent shot, uh, but I did swap him for Gibbs. That was a good decision because Gibbs got me 35 and Button was in the garage with 17 points. In the featured matchups, I picked Cindric over Chastain. That ended up uh, working out, and we didn't really mention it in the recap, but the two Penske teammates of Logano and Cindric both played that strategy of staying out at the end on a little bit older tires, but they had enough gas to get to the end of that race. And they both ended up scoring top 10 finishes after both of them pretty much ran middle to the back, almost the entire race until the the last few runs there. So uh, kudos to the two and 22 team. So that was, that was a correct pick for me. I picked Suarez over Almondinger. That was wrong. I picked Reddick over Elliot. That was wrong. And I picked Truex over Larson and that was wrong. So I think that's really, uh, losing those 30 points there is what really hurt me in the standings this week. So who did you have in your starting lineup? Yeah, I'm going to say a couple names here. Uh, Bell, Larson, Suarez, Reddick. And uh, before the, the 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 one set of pit stops, um, I was up there in the top five. <laughs> I was going to say that was a really yeah. good lineup for a point during that race. Because also at that point, um, Chastain was beating Cindric by that at that point. Suarez was beating Almondinger at that point. Reddick was ahead of Elliott. Uh, Truex was ahead of Larson. So I was winning like three or four of the matchups too, but I went over four of the matchups and my lineup got scrapped in that third stage. And yeah, it was one of those weeks. So you ended up in the 66th posi- or 64th position, tied for 64th with 130 points earned. My team ended up in the 51st position with 159 points earned. I did win the household just over my wife there, who ended up 52nd. Um, in the top 10 in points earned for the Chicago Street Race in the Team Blade NASCAR Fantasy Live League, we have a three-way tie for 10th with Math Mom 4, Fike 21, and our friend Joe Bro. 
1221, all with 191 points earned. In ninth, we have the Dalai Lama 4 at 192. A tie for seventh with No Hesitation and Blaney or Bust with 194. Tie for fifth with Factory of Sadness and Matt O with 201 points. In fourth, we have Go Larson 202. In third, we have Abby NNK with 207. Second, Supermod 208. And in the first position in points earned this past week for the Chicago Street Course race in the Team Blade NASCAR Fantasy Live League, it's Blaring Idiots. 237 points earned. They get the victory for the week. Now let's take a look at the overall standings, and I'll see where my team is sitting at. 37th position, 3,214 points. And we'll scroll up now into the top 10. In 10th, The Nutty Gamer, 3,388. In 9th, your team, Mez 12, 3,339. 8th, Eric D15, 3,430. 7th, No Hesitation, 3,446. In 6th, we have Blaring Idiots, 3,449. 5th, Christian Dana, 3,450. 4th, Penske Fan 24, 3,455. In 3rd, Go Larson, 3,499. 2nd, Blaney's Daisy, 3,516. And holding the lead right now on the team, Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league overall standings factory of sadness six three thousand five hundred and fifty eight points that brings us to this weekend's race at atlanta motor speedway we'll give you a quick nascar on tv report so it's actually split between atlanta motor speedway and mid ohio so on tv i'm only going to read um uh, the truck and Xfinity races and I'll, I'll throw in qualifying in the race for cup, but starting at one thirty PM Eastern time, Saturday, July 8th, you'll have the NASCAR craftsman truck series, O'Reilly auto parts, one fifty at mid Ohio. That's a race that I think you've attended, or at least a, a track that you've last attended some, some NASCAR races in, in the past. I was there last year, actually. Oh, that's I, ran, right. I was there last year. I ran into uh, Mr. Josh Williams spotting for the, uh, for uh, Zane Smith. And they finished uh, second last year to, um, to Parker Clingerman, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, so that'll kick things off a little bit earlier on Saturday afternoon, 1 30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can watch that race on FS1, 5 30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, the NASCAR Cup Series qualifying at Atlanta. Uh, remember, this is going to be a race where they're not going to have practice, but they will do single car qualifying. Uh, you can catch that on USA, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you stay tuned in after that, 8 p.m., the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Elsco Uniforms 250 at Atlanta, also on USA. And then we go to the big race on Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, remember, this is uh, probably our third straight week of having uh, Sunday evening, Sunday night races. Um, didn't mention, you know, the Chicago race at the Nashville race ratings were up Chicago race. The ratings that you peaked at 5.8 million viewers at the finish, um, six, uh, or the highest, uh, watched race on NBC in six years. And so that was an evening race. Obviously the Chicago stuff had a lot to do with that. So third straight week, we have an evening later race on Sunday, 7 PM Eastern time, the NASCAR cup series, Quaker state 400, at Atlanta Motor Speedway on USA. So it might be a little bit different. It's going to be back to cable this week. This past week it was on NBC on the, on the big network. So we'll see how those ratings go. Um, so speaking of fantasy that we just went through, is there anybody uh, in fantasy that you're looking forward to? Um, this is a, a pretty decent track for Ryan Blaney on his own. If we go back to his, uh, his average start of 13.2, an average finish of 11.6, he has a victory Atlanta on the old configuration, but since coming to the new configuration at this track, he's finished 17th, 
which he actually had a stronger run than that shows finished 17th, fifth and seventh so far on the new configuration in Atlanta, which has kind of turned it into a smaller super speedway. So if you do have some starts ref left for Ryan, um, maybe you want to watch and see how qualifying ends up, but um, he might be one of those ones where at least might start him in the garage, but we've seen guys like Corey LaJoy, uh, Justin Haley, some other folks that end up running really well at some of these super speedway races on this new configuration at Atlanta still uh, ended up running pretty well. So uh, anybody that, that you're looking at that you think might have uh, an opportunity to go to victory lane or at least do well for you in, uh, in fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm putting my lineup in right now because there's no practice. So there's nothing to really watch <laughs> and qualifying as we know, is super speedway. I mean, track position is sort of important, but we know that certain guys will be able to operate better than others. And, and they really won't know till the drop of the green flag, you know, how, how well their car is going to maneuver. So, um, you know, we've had the excitement of Corey, the joy being up near the front, um, last year, um, Bubba Wallace, extremely good at super speedway racing, um, once again, it's a different animal, the super speedway. It is a super speedway because of the package they're running, but uh, it's a mile and a half. It's a, uh, there's not as many lanes to run in as you would have at Talladega or Daytona. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I try trying to see who runs better together as a group, whether it's Ford or Chevy or, or, or Toyota, because that ends up being sometimes part of the strategy. If there's no wrecks and we've got green flag pit cycles, um, you know, who comes to pit road better than somebody else and then gets back out there as a group better, you know? So that, that's something I'm looking forward to, too. Um, I, I already put Bubba Walls in the lineup. I think I got Christopher Bell here. I'm, I'm, I'm just scrolling through and thinking, well, Kyle Busch did really well last time at Rita Super Speedway. Um, let me run through, I'll run through the top 10 finishers in the spring race at Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So Joey Logano, okay. Penske teammate, went to victory lane. Uh, Keselowski was second, followed by Bell. LaJoy had another strong run. Reddick, Hamlin, Blaney, Jones, Gibbs, and Kyle Busch. And you just mentioned Kyle Busch won the race at Talladega that Ryan and Bubba probably should have finished one, two at. But hey, Kyle Busch ended up, ended up winning uh, winning that one. Cindric was 11th, Gregson 12th, Chastain 13th, Bowman 14th, Todd Gilliland 15th. So as I mentioned, there's names up there uh, with LaJoy and even Jones, who hasn't run super strong, Gregson, uh, Gilliland, that all finished in the top 15 that maybe aren't guys that you're going to see up there every single week. Um, so it's a little bit of a wild card week. Uh, I think I'll at least put Ryan in the garage. I think I'm, I had probably maybe used LaJoy once or twice this year. Uh, probably going to throw LaJoy in there because all three races that we've had at Atlanta, he's run up front, uh, had an opportunity to win. I think it was the the inaugural race there on the new mm-hmm. on the new surface. So um, he's he knows that place. He runs it really well. And uh, some of it will come down to qualifying, but uh, there is still is an opportunity to move up and uh, forward and back in that pack. But one thing to, to look for, so this is a third, this will be the, the fourth race on this configuration. Um, they've said that the asphalt there has been wearing faster than um, some other surfaces have in the past. So I'm interested to see when the breaking point will be on this track to where things will start to spread out 
a little bit more and not necessarily be the tight pack racing. But I do hope we get the pack racing because I know uh, you and Kate are going to come down and join us at the race this weekend. And I'm just excited. Atlanta is one of my favorite facilities uh, just because of ease of in and out. It's it's relatively close uh, to us. Uh, still five hour drive, but uh, relatively close for us. We go there all the time and I'm excited for you guys to, to get down there and see a race there, especially under this new configuration where they're running side by side lap after lap after lap. I'm glad it's going to be at night because I know those first few races for Josh Williams up there in the spotter stand, uh, it can get pretty hot. And uh, I think he probably uses 10 batteries. I don't know, <laughs> something like that, because he does not stop talking the whole race because you can't there. There is there's not an opportunity to really get a break. Yeah, he changes swapping out batteries constantly um, on that radio. Um, this week is also uh, worth is back on the car. Uh, love that paint scheme. Can't wait to get to see that on the track. Um, and if you guys follow worth, uh, worth racing, um, on any social media, please do, because they are totally interactive with, uh, with, uh, the, the, the fans of, uh, Penske and Ryan Blaney. So, uh, I can't wait to see that, that paint scheme, uh, you know, maybe they, I think there's at least a hat at the, at the merch trailer. So yeah. uh, make sure you hit the hit, hit the merch trailer too, on the way down there. We've, uh, we've got some, found some new friends there who, who run the merch hauler and, uh, they're always great to visit every week because things do change week to week. I know, like I said, I think Worth Racing has at least a hat up there, uh, some pretty cool uh, dark blue stuff with red on it. Uh, perfect, actually, for this weekend. And they might have the diecast too. I think the diecast might be available mm-hmm. at the trailer, mm-hmm. so it might be an opportunity for you to pick that up. And then, if you can find out, I haven't seen any of the, the schedule yet to see if Ryan's making any appearances. I don't think he was set for the fan zone stage. I think that schedule was out, but there's sometimes there's opportunities to meet uh, drivers at other parts at, at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So again, if you want to tune in this week, Saturday, July 8th, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time NASCAR Cup Series qualifying on USA at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And then Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, the NASCAR Cup Series Quaker State 400 on USA. Well, Steve, I think that pretty much wraps up this week's episode of the Team Blaney podcast. I want to thank everybody once again for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blaney, on Instagram at Team.Blaney, also on the TikTok at Team.Blaney as well. Steve's having a lot of fun uh, putting stuff stuff on TikTok throughout the week. He has a a really great sense of humor, and uh, I hope you guys uh, give us a follow over there on the TikTok. And finally, we'd like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Established in 2018, this organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we hope everybody out there attending the Lou Blaney Memorial this week at Sharon Speedway has a great time and uh, supports the foundation while they're out there in Northeast Ohio. So for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Check out the TikTok. Well, thanks everybody for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.